You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. y'all welcome back to the professional book nerds podcast this is joe happy to have you here before we dive into our episode remember to rate review and subscribe wherever you do your listening apple Podcasts, spotify those five-star reviews really help us reach more listeners if you want to engage with us on social media see what we're reading lately see what emma and i have had come in our book mail you can follow us on instagram twitter and tiktok at pro book nerds and you can send emails with suggestions, recommendations, or questions to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. With that, Emma, hello. Hello. Following the love for Joe Reads a Big Romance, everyone wanted you to do the same. So I figured, because what it, what is what have I discovered through this podcast that my genre is? I've discovered that it's horror. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> So Emma read a horror, as you can tell by the title, I'm titling it the same as I did for Joe Reads a Big Romance. It's going to say Emma Reads a Horror. And so you specifically read Jackal by Aaron E. Adams, perhaps yes. my uh, one of my favorite books of 2022. Yes, I have a lot of thoughts for you. <laughs> I know you do. I know you have so many thoughts and I've been dying to hear all of them. Also, before we get started, both Emma and I have been sick this week. So if yeah. we sound a little congested, if there's like weird pauses where we're coughing and dying, sorry. We're going to try to edit that out as much as possible. <laughs> exactly. But I can't hide the rasp that I have currently. Same, the congestion. It's great. Happy fall. Happy fall. So Emma. Yes. First, because I'm dying. Mm-hmm. What's your star rating? Okay. I'm diving in with that head first because I also want to give the context off the bat of like you text me at one point to say, I might not be able to finish this, which we'll talk about too. Yes. So we'll get into the nitty gritty. My final star rating is three and a half. That makes sense. Out of five. There were a lot of things I really enjoyed about this book. There were a few things that didn't work for me. Oh, and listeners, if if I, because I feel like we need to say it, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't read Jackal yet, read it and save this episode for after. Or if you're like me and you kind of like knowing what's going to happen in your books, listen and then read. But just to have oh, yeah, we're going to get <laughs> no, we're going to get full spoilers into it because that's some of the things I wanted to discuss. Yeah, three and a half stars. I think that's great. So what were some of the things with that three and a half stars that like, what didn't work for you at like the high level? Well, so the first thing that didn't work for me is I was trying to commit to being full Joe and I started this (laughs) on audio. Which I am impressed because listeners, I read this one. So I don't even know what the audio sounds like. So I started this on audio. I was like, I'm going to commit to being Joe and I'm going to read this on audio and I'm going to read this horror. Um, I did have to switch from audio to ebook because 
there are a lot of shifts in the point of view. There are some like news articles peppered in. There's, you know, the changing font. Mm -hmm. Which you don't really get, like, depending on how they produce the audiobook, you don't really get that. I, I found myself having a hard time picking up on those distinctions in the audio. And that said, like, I tend to listen to audio, obviously, while I'm doing other things. Right. So I'm already not paying as close of attention as I would be with reading an ebook or the physical book. So I think I needed to focus on this to get the full thing. So I sh- did shift to the ebook. That was a much better experience for me reading it. Um, because then I could see the changes in the font. I could see the visuals. There's, you know, there's a lot of interstitials that, yes, there's like a feather. There's some visuals of other things, um, scales. And so that just sort of helped contribute to, to me being able to keep things a little bit more organized in my head. Totally. The other thing that didn't work for me with this honestly had nothing to do with the book. I talked about this recently with some of our coworkers is where if you're not in the right mental place or you're not in the place to enjoy certain books, it will sort of, I don't want to say ruin them, but it lessens the enjoyment of them because you're in a funk or you're just not in the right frame of mind. So I will caveat um, that I have not been in the greatest place, Sure, um, been in a little bit of a reading slump been through a little bit of some life stress. And so I do think that that did play heavily into my reading of this book as well. So I do want to caveat that because I think this book probably would have been higher for me if I had been in a in a different space, if that makes sense. And And it's hard to say like what hits and why it hits and when. No, it, it makes perfect sense because I love Jackal because mm-hmm. I, it has to me the vibes of true crime. It is a very much crime mm-hmm. kind of novel that when I was reading, and for me, it was a page turn and it was like yeah. blowing through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a one sitting book for me. Well, it was actually a two sitting book because I did like stop for dinner and all I could do was think about finishing the book. Right. Because of like the vibe of the time and like the headspace I was in and how excited I was for this book. Mm-hmm. I ripped through it, but I also felt like a really good read for you because of your love of like a mystery crime thriller novel that Mm -hmm. to me, this one kind of like this aligned where I thought you would land, but it makes total sense because like I, I started an audiobook today that I have been looking forward to, but I am also, I'm having some things go on as well. Like being right. sick doesn't help and everything else. And so like knowing what we're both going through, it's kind of that like, oh, I might have to listen to this one later because I'm yeah. not, you, you know, like it hasn't gripped me. I need a different comfort read. Mm-hmm. And so whether it's the content or whether it's even just like, maybe right now what you need is not a horror th- crime thriller Exactly. But it's important to consider that in yeah. your rev- that like if you were to reread this in a year, that three and a half may go to four. Exactly. And so I do want to make sure like that that context is added because I, I think it's such an interesting thing like for mood readers. Yeah. I am a big mood reader. And so, right, if, if you're not in the right headspace, whether you're in a reading slump or reading rut or you're just going through things and you want something 
And that, and what you want when you're going through things obviously varies. You may want something uh, really gripping and, you know, thriller horror, or you may want something that's totally light and fluffy and all of that context in mind. Things, did you ask me for likes or dislikes? Because No, um, oh, yeah, I, I haven't yet. Um, okay. I think we'll get to that in just in a, in a touch. Yes. I want to go through some of like the basics first. Because yes. I know I dove in head first because I, I needed to know. No, you posted hit me it on your it. Instagram. And I was like, oh, oh how I many know. stars? I left the rating off on purpose. I know, it <laughs> killed me. You asked me this question. What were your initial thoughts upon seeing this book? Anything from the synopsis jump out at you or, and also like I'll throw in there as well, because covers are important to both of us, your thoughts on the cover. The cover is stunning. I was immediately intrigued by the cover. It is gorgeous. It is gripping. The cover alone sells the book, like it does without even flipping it over. It really does. You know what you're getting into. It looks creepy but it's also gorgeous. The pop of red. It's a really good cover. So I was immediately intrigued by the cover of this book. I, I can't help it. I love a a well-designed cover from the description. Obviously they like the buzzwords that I like, you know, recommended by Gillian Flynn. You've got me there. Um, It's got accolades from, you know, it's an Edgar Award finalist, a Bram Stoker Award finalist, a Shirley Jackson Award nominee, all of those things. That, on a debut title. On, on a, a debut, debut title that are title. compelling. Yeah. I know you raved about it. It was very well reviewed in Publishers mm-hmm. Weekly and Library Journal and Kirkus and all of the places that I normally look when I'm sort of intrigued in researching a book. And then just the description. I do love a hometown, like coming home. Something's going on, disappearances, you know, search for the missing people sort of thing. And then in the description, they're sort of peppered through something's watching something. It says it. So you kind of get that hint that it it could be a person. It could be something supernatural. So that was intriguing to me to see. That's always the question you and I ask, like, how supernatural is this going to get? Correct. And I don't think it hit me until our conversation with Rachel and Clay that Mm -hmm. the majority of horror readers view the classification of horror as containing something supernatural. Yes. And I... I had never thought of it that way mm-hmm. because I I think of like in the movie space that like a thriller or a psychological thriller are are very different than a horror but a, yeah. a slasher is considered like a horror movie but that the the killer doesn't have to be supernatural like the scream movies one of one of my favorite series so I'm always going to bring them up but like while yes there are supernatural elements to how they always seem to get away with everything like these are two human beings that are known to us from the group at all times. Yeah, it's just a person, right? right. It's it's always just a person. It's yeah. not a Freddy. It's not a Jason. Right. Um, but, and I think my discovering my own love of horror in book format so recently, mm-hmm. I've read so little until, until now that I am always like, to me, horror could also be real life. I don't in my personal opinion, I don't need 
the the bad guy to be mm-hmm. an entity. It can right. be a person, and in my brain, still have all of the like trimmings of horror and be considered horror. But right. you have the you have the like actual knowledge of what all of these terms mean, and I just have vibes. Well, well, <laughs> like, right, and, you know, no, but I think that horror can do that psychological horror that doesn't have to have, or it can have the supernatural. So I think you can kind of go either way and both are sort of applicable where it is different than just thrills. Correct. That you, I love that psychological horror that you could pull in the unreliable narrator, the mental illness, the, the uh, menti B, like you can pull in any of those things yeah. as a cause to a horror because like, what is a gothic other than a horror? And so many gothic novels right. end with there is a person who's been living in the attic for all these years, or the house is just creepy and old, but not actually haunted. Like, mm-hmm. and it's the impact on the person. Exactly. But I guess we're dancing the line that maybe publishing has been dancing for a while between like what's a yes. thriller. Why do we never categorize books as psychological thrillers? It feels like, you know, and horror just starting to bloom now. Yeah. And this especially, I think does a really good, like it, it does sort of toe the line for me as a reader where it, it did at times feel very much a thriller mystery. And then, right. There are those supernatural horror elements. And so I think it could, because it does have, you know, the supernatural horror that's where we classify it. But a lot of the storytelling, a lot of the compelling elements to me very much felt like a mystery and a thriller where we're we're solving, we're trying yeah. to solve the crime. I just want to return to the ebook and audiobook versions for a moment. So in this case, how was the audiobook produced? Was it one voice the whole time? Was there a different voice for interstitials or for the jackal, as we'll just refer? You know, or was it one narrator? I, or were they too similar? I, I'm rambling. No, you're not. And I let me I'm going to pull up how much of the audio I listened to. So I kind of skipped around. It looks like I maybe only listened to maybe a total of two hours of the audio. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it enough. OK, like if that makes sense. like it, No, it, it does, because that means it probably wasn't like um marked enough to show like it it wasn't I didn't pick up enough on the differences and that could certainly be because right when you're when I'm listening to audio I'm doing other things and so I I required more attention for me with my like micro attention span right now my goodness right but when I think of like none of this is true and your lonely nights are over in both of those situations um there were dual POVs and each had a, a distinctly different narrator. And uh, with Your Lonely Nights, well, in both cases, they also had interstitials where there were breaks that came in to say, this is a recording from, or um, from Your Lonely Nights Are Over, like the Netflix description. And those also had different narrators as well, that every time you had a tone shift. Mm-hmm. And so with Jackal, like for the listeners who haven't read but are are listening, the majority of the story comes from our main character's point of view. It is coming from our main character. She is the chief voice, except for when we have breaks um, of the missing girls. So like mm-hmm. every every kind of like section or chapter starts off with a missing girl story. And that is her, exp- her experience leading up to the moment that she's taken. 
And then there are also breaks at like the end of chapters with the version of like the milk carton or the missing persons info. So like early on, it's a newspaper clipping and eventually it's a Facebook post as they're hunting for people, these these girls who have gone missing. So it's it's got that kind of like bookmark. But in the way that I read it, it all kind of flowed together in having one voice because this book does do a bit of the psychological, like our main character isn't doing very well. She has a lot of anxiety about being back in her hometown. She's like sworn to never come back, but it's her best friend's wedding, but she's doing it nonetheless. And her mom still lives there, but her mom is this very like straight laced doctor. So we see a bit of her already broken psyche when she's arriving and then her psyche starting to crumble as we reach the climax of the story. So her best friend is getting married. It's an outdoor wedding. Um, The man that she's marrying, she already has a daughter with and she loves this little girl, you know, and she's watching her during the like during the wedding reception and she she steps away for a second and she goes missing in the woods and that's kind of where it all goes and so it's the game of like blame and my friend hates me and like all of these different emotions kind of bubbling the whole time so i i could see why there was a choice of uh maybe one narrating voice throughout or very well, similar voices because of how it all blends. Well, so here I will give credit because I'm dumb. Um, I did just quickly listen to the, t- I checked a chapter from, I know Liz's perspective. And then from, we get some uh, chapters from this. From the Jackal. We'll from just the, say jackal, the Jackal. Yeah. From the entity, from whoever is taking these girls. Um, I am dumb. In the audio, it's a man and a woman. So it is extremely distinct. But I think because I kept hopping back and forth, I listened to a little audio and then I was like, "Mm, I'm going to read. Oh, I'm going to try to listen to audio. I did not listen to any of the chapters, it seems, from the Entity Jackal's perspective. So I I didn't hear that distinction when I, I would have if I had just listened continuously, I think. And the Jackal is kind of a slow build. Like Mm -hmm. initially it is from the voice of the girl being taken. And then eventually it transforms into the voice of the Jackal. And the Jackal has a stronger voice toward the end. So I will probably reread this via audiobook now to just see what now, because now I'm just very curious about how they produced it. Yeah. I can only recommend it via ebook because that's all I've done. I'm guessing you would still probably choose ebook over audiobook just because there's a lot to digest. Yes, I would definitely recommend that. Yeah. And I think the interstitials like these, where there is the design element, because, you know, we love to talk about form, format, design. The breaks that are the Facebook posts, the newspaper clippings are actually designed in, like you said, the feather. They're actually designed and shown in the book as those items. So I think there's a a visual interest, which the different fonts. uh, There's a section where if uh, she's dreaming and there are other things where all of the font is pushed to the right of the page. And so I would recommend for the visual cues But if you are a very, but I think if you listen to audio a lot, you're more attuned to listening to audio. I don't listen to very much audio, which, which we know I had a harder time focusing 
on some of those shifts that I do think they account for in the audiobook that just kind of went over my head as a audio novice. Totally. And I think it's the, I think the story itself still stands that if you are just a person who's like, I just like to be lit, I like to stay listening and you're not necessarily in it to devour every little component because yeah. I'm, I'm usually pretty guilty of that, but I'm like, oh yeah, I, I love to have a book playing. I love to take things from it. And then when it speaks to me is when I'm usually like, oh, this one's getting a second read. Yeah. Uh, so, so I, I think there's definitely something to like, if you just want to listen, this story is going to take you from beginning to end on a great ride. My yes. bias, I, I, I have, I guess I should ask you, would this, <laughs> would you agree with that? <laughs> I would. I think that this is a really compelling read. So I can quickly talk about some of the things I really liked. I really liked the writing. I thought it was really compelling. I really liked the thriller elements that you were trying to solve the crime alongside Liz. And that all of her thoughts, oh, what if the killer is this person? I'm Well, we said we'd spoil. So she kind of goes through like, oh, what if the killer is Mr. Parker and his son? What if it's Chris? What like every time she was sort of making the argument in her head, like, ooh, that's a red flag. Ooh, that's. It felt like like we were with her. And you were like, oh, shoot, they could you're in a car with him. Like, oh, it could be him. Like, get out. That's scary. So that was very compelling. I like a hometown story. I like I was interested in the way. That these people interacted in their hometown. It was very uncomfortable, and I think it was meant to be to make you think. And I did enjoy the twist of who the killer was. However, and this is a good segue into the things I disliked, I think it could have been more, I don't want to say obvious, but there could have been a little bit more Easter eggs clues that the killer was who it was, because I think there were maybe too many red herrings. Agreed. And now I wouldn't necessarily say that the red herrings distracted from the enjoyment. Correct. But it did make it feel like we could have never guessed. Yes. And I want to be able, I want to be able to think I can guess. I want to like, I want all of the pieces to be there so that when you get to it, you go, of course. And you can point back to, I think this was a little bit, I liked the twist. I liked the reveal, like, oh, shoot, it's you. However, you're right. I, 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 I wanted more of that peppered in. I think it would have hit harder for me at that reveal. And so that was, that was something that I, I wanted to see more of the supernatural element with the jackal. That fell a little bit flat to me. Yeah, let's talk let's talk about that because I want to I want to talk about your thoughts of would this have been better as just a straight mystery thriller crime whatever or did it need the supernatural? I think it benefited from the supernatural. I liked the I liked the duality of the metaphor like the evil, the things you're not confronting, the conversations you're not having, the things you're ignoring that are right in front of your face. Can you actually start by telling us, give us a breakdown of the jackal, like what formed the jackal and what fed the jackal? Right. So from my interpretation of this, 
the jackal was fed by both, you know, the the fellow is, is as he's referred to in the book, the fellow and his son feed him physical hearts of these girls that go missing. And, but I, I sort of also almost took it. And I don't know if this is a correct interpretation that he also was sort of fed by other things, hatred, like despair, yeah. just that all of these things that were sort of festering in the town helped him to grow stronger. And so he was supported. He was sort of shadowy and sort of elusive to begin with. And then he was, somebody paid him attention and too much attention. And he started to to grow stronger and stronger and, and sort of made this ritual sacrifice part of his his being his right part of his his self his process yeah i think that's fair and that uh this the sort of way that it tied back to liz with the tooth in her arm sort of fed him he would be the perfect vessel for him to be able to leave the woods right leave his like unfinished form right that was interesting to me but but it i don't really know how else to describe it is just that i i wanted more i wanted more from the jackal i wanted more backstory maybe or more explanation exposition because like the build-up to it the build-up as the jackal yes. kind of gets stronger how did you feel about that I enjoyed the buildup. Like and the that's why I was think, good. yes, that's why I think I was disappointed a little bit because we finally get these answers. We're figuring things out. And I just wanted more. And I don't really know what else to articulate articulate about what I mean by more, but I wanted more. <laughs> no, that that makes total sense to me because all so so first, all of my love aside, I agree with you that like my one struggle with this book was that kind of resolution with the jackal mm -hmm. in, in that I, I love, I love folklore. I love that this just kind of started as like yeah. the idea of the boogeyman and that the boogeyman yeah. doesn't exist until you give it power. And so one day someone gave it power and that turned into, you know, and so it started feeding off because there's a lot of great social commentary in this book about like, economic just yeah. like grand disparity in one city how there can be so much wealth and so much poverty and how all of that extreme wealth also led to like the murder of not even murder but the is it not murder like the the death by death by neglect of a majority of the town because of like the the hubris of the rich you know and so like the jackal feeding off all of this and then the the ancestry of kind of like a ritual beginning mm -hmm. is is very interesting to me. So right, so when we hit yeah. that end point where you've got all this great buildup, and we could have used like a little more to carry it around, mm -hmm. and then maybe also a stronger wrap up. Yeah, I, I think there are just places yes. where there were like threads, not like plot holes, but like you could tell that like oh we didn't trim this as neatly or. It needed a little bit more. Yes. And I I wanted, right, for the conclusion, I wanted a little bit more, although I guess you, you can sort of infer, leave it up to your own interpretation about why, and again, if you are for some reason 
don't want spoilers. I'm going to reveal the killer here. But the killer ends up being Doug, who for a majority of the book is Liz's biggest ally, working in the medical examiner's office, helping her, you know, run a license plate and, you know, run some DNA and do some things. And so for me, that twist was like, oh, shoot. A a solid twist. That was a solid twist for me. But I wanted more about... I wanted a bit more about his why, Uh, you Mm -hmm. know, his why from his father. And it's sort of inferred that a lot of the why is because they see these sort of white supremacists see people that are different than them or black people as taking their spaces, taking their success, like, stealing from them in some way which is absolutely it's mind-boggling right if that's your interpretation and so i i wanted almost a little bit more about that and the and i will say like that like i i didn't quite put together the unpopped popcorn Stuff that the KKK I had never heard of that. And then I had to like Google it. I hadn't heard of that. And so when we were talking about this while I was reading, I was like, oh, it's recruiting. And they they get to that in the book, but sort of the mentions of it prior to the that little bit more of explanation, I just didn't, I didn't know. Me either. Um, I just really didn't know. And that's and... so that's good context to throw in. So Liz, our main character, and her mother are both black. And because her mother is this prominent doctor, she, you know, lives in the expensive part of this town. She lives Mm -hmm. in the good housing and, you know, and all of that. And I have to phrase it that way because that is the the best way to think of it, of like, it's the, the, the good part of town is on the hill, which is why when there was this flood, you know, years before all of the Poor people, all of the black people, all of the people of color who lived at the bottom of the hill were either wiped out or like st- extremely economically depressed because of it. Right. And this city exists, the flood is real, and the reasons why outlined in the book are actual history. So, mm-hmm. like, it was a, a wealthy summer town initially from, I think, Carnegie or Rockefeller. One of them took it, and there was yeah. a dam, and they didn't pay for the upkeep of the dam because they were just building and doing whatever to make their lives as rich and beautiful as possible. And then that caused the dam to break and the town to flood and, you know, all of these people to experience this hardship. So from the beginning, the town was built on oppression. Because it's a small town, like, country town even though there's money in some spaces, uh, there's a lot of poverty in others, which is what you see in those kind of like small wealthy towns that there's disgusting disparity. And so then there's also that creep in of hatred of racism. Yeah. And I think something else that I, that I gleamed from listening to your conversation with Erin last year is when she was describing the town, like, I don't know that I fully understood how remote it was and how dense the woods are and like they're a presence. And so that sort of didn't really hit for me because for whatever reason, I'm like, Oh, the forest. I don't know. Like I, I, for, I don't know it just like, it didn't really sink into me until much further along in the reading. And then obviously listening to your conversation where 
these aren't just like casual trees. Right. It's not like, like it's what woods. we think of. Right. Yes, it's, it's woods. Full, yeah. <laughs> Undisturbed. You right. can get lost three steps in. It's a dense forest. And so, yeah, that like really hit home later where, right, you don't want to be walking along the tree line kind of a thing. You mentioned the KKK kind of mm-hmm. thrown in throughout, like, Liz gets to her mom's house to stay uh, for the wedding, and her mom seems a little maybe maybe off. Not off, but like uncomfortable. Yeah. Because the KKK has basically been leaving her threats. Yeah. I mean, she's been established in this town for 20, like 20, years. 30 years. Yeah. Right. And now the KKK is knocking at her door, basically. So Liz opens a drawer full of unpopped popcorn kernels and bags. And I had no idea what that meant either. And now I now I get it. And it's so painful to even think of. But like. It's horrifying in a way that I write that we can't even really relate to at all. And I can't imagine what that must feel like to have people make threats to your home and to, to your well-being. And so that. I think this book is so unique because it really did make me think a lot about all of these things, about these things that exist that I can very easily learn about, but then also that I have no, I don't have any greater context for. I don't. And so, right, you you need to be, you need to tell these stories so that people are aware that this that this absolutely happens, that this absolutely still happens, that there are still people that perceive others, and I say other in a very general term, as taking things away from you. And then that's, and that that is the core mindset, taking right, things away from is that you're taking away from them. If, if you have success you've stolen it. They have less success. And that to me is, is weird to even think about like that, that would, that that would be your, your default logic. Right. It's unfathomable. Is really bizarre. The other thing I thought was interesting as well, that this brought up, Liz asks the question, why me or why not me? Because her and one of the girls that go missing Keisha are in the woods at the same time. They at the same party, they interact, they they almost interact with with each other, with the fellow, with the jackal. And so, right, it is that question of why one versus the other when they're both. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. 
I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. I guess in in their the jackal the fellow's mind the ideal target. And then I also thought that was interesting when Liz is sort of questioning her space and place against Keisha. They were both black. They were both in the same school. They both sort of took different approaches to how to interact with the other kids in their class, in their school. And it was almost like Liz was trying her absolute hardest to just fade into the background, to not cause a scene, not bring any attention, not take up any space. She talks about this with her mother, I think, in that context of of being good, not causing a fuss, not being a nuisance, not raising her voice or causing attention, just being a good black girl and and sort of seemingly going under the radar, blending in. That's so sad in many ways that you would have to feel like you you just have to go unnoticed um, in order to be safe, in order to, you know, to not, right, to not upset people, to not cause a scene in this small town. So a lot of that is really gripping and, and that sort of tension builds alongside the tension of solving the crime, figuring out who this killer is, figuring out the jackal. So all of that is really really beautifully done. You sort of feel that build intention across all of those different areas of the book until we get to the conclusion. Right. You have a lot of opportunities to learn, to empathize, to understand. Right. And it's all very subtle. Um, So you are still reading a mystery, a thriller. You are still reading, you know, about these supernatural elements, but it, the social commentary is not to be missed. I think. Right. It's not an afterthought. It's not an add-in. It is intentional and it impacts the power of the story. It really does. And so I I think that is what makes it a a thoroughly modern story to cast some of these things in a light that people perhaps haven't thought of. And I think using the genre to highlight some of these horrific things is very powerful and very important. The only other thing I didn't like and this is nitpicky. It's my final thing. Okay. Your final like dislike. I really hated that Mel died. Yep. So yes. Caroline, the missing girl, and Liz's best friend, Mel, she dies in the final confrontation with the killers, Doug and his wife and the jackal. I hated that. Because we find Caroline... She is able to escape because she was sort of a pawn in the larger plot. And her mom is dead. I 
that to me, like, ugh. I mean, I'm going through something. That to me, just like, no, that really pissed me off. <laughs> no, I agree with that. I am, uh, I am always hard on character death, mm-hmm. but it it was tough because, right. I mean, like the, it felt for it felt like we were fighting to find Caroline and put her back sit, like safely on the shelf, and we changed right. her life, you know, kind of like irreparably. Right. I mean, she's already going to be traumatized from being like kidnapped and held by you know a supernatural being and these terrible people and and all of these things. And I, yeah, to me, I don't. I yeah, I just did not. I don't know that I felt it was necessary to have her perish in this manner. I don't know. I, and I I feel, I don't know. I, I don't get, yeah, like as furthering the story. I don't know. You can argue the like, uh, you could take the literary argument of like, oh, she's a parallel for Liz's mother and the way that sacrifices can manifest are very different. But I I agree. I think of everything that's in this book that furthers the story, I don't know if her death, I don't know if it helped my enjoyment of the book. Correct. I don't know if it did. I I would be curious to ask Aaron uh, why. Because we were almost so close to a happy resolution for that family. I do think that that's interesting because we, right. Outside of that, we do get resolution. We do get closure. And so, right. I think for me, it maybe would have been, well, I like a romance, you know, I like a happily ever after it would have been that, that much more, I mean, it's it also has an extra hurt of that, like, we start at their wedding. We start yeah. at, like, this happy moment for this couple that's been together and, you know, are are raising this girl together. Well, they've been together since, like, high school or something, and they're finally getting married. And so, right, they've, they're married for a week. You right, know? and, like, the worst week of their lives, and it ends with more tragedy. Yeah, and so, I don't know, that to me... That could also be a reflection on where I'm at in my personal mental space. But uh, that was a big dislike for me that I kept hoping, like, it won't be as bad. Like, she'll she'll get out. We'll, she'll be okay or something. And um, unfortunately not. <laughs> this was a really, I mean, it was a really interesting experience. Like, yeah, this was Emma Reed's a horror, but this was truly just Emma Reed's jackal. Like, yeah, I don't even think this has all of the matching tropes of horror. And I, I think it's just like a beautiful book. It was a really, really good book. And it was wholly unique in reading it. I At this point, like, I, I don't generally read horror. We've talked about this. I'll read like Clay and Rachel. Uh, that's pretty much it. And so, right, like I, this, this. I see where this fits in the the genre, but it was wholly unique. While this is a debut, are you inclined to pick up something else by Aaron E. Adams uh, as it comes? Absolutely. I would absolutely pick up something else by this author, and I would be interested to see, oh, she has a new book. I just looked, June 2024. Well, be on the lookout for that one from me, because... 
Yeah, it's called One of You. And, oh, I see the word gothic. I see the word supernatural. So, yes, I would absolutely be inclined to pick up other things from her. I really like her writing. I really, I really like her writing. Uh, the writing was really good. And it was very compelling. Ooh, Ugh. and th- now I'm distracted because I have just looked up her uh, her next book. <laughs> I know. Don't you love it? Just to hit some things that jump out at me. And if there's anything else you want to like throw in while we're there, the setting was a, was a big one for me. And I know you talked about that as well. The idea of like small town, but rich small town, which doesn't happen too often or like rich, poor small town. Um, the woods, it's always a, a pretty solid uh, setting for me as well. And an outdoor wedding. <laughs> those those are kind of the big things. But I think yeah. what makes the the woods and the wedding more for me in terms of setting is the next key term, which is summer. So the fact that this is that like summer into fall kind of like, you know, like the temperature, you know, yes, it's cooling off, but I I don't know, like the time of year also speaks into it. I also think it keeps you guessing if it's supernatural or if it is crime. I think that's a big one for me. Form as we've talked about, the voice of the jackal and how it builds um, the family drama, both birth and found family in terms of like Liz and her friends. Yes. And I will say, I forgot to t- write this down. Another element of the story that I enjoyed is I did really enjoy, and this is because my romance nature is <laughs> present through and through. She reconnects with a high school, caught, like an old flame, Chris. There is like a a love scene or like a hookup scene that felt really interesting to me, sort of smack dab in the middle of all of these other things. But I, I enjoyed it. The fact that it was so natural that it was like, yeah, this would happen when you're like, I need stress relief. As you're right. As you're undergoing so much stress, anxiety, you're, you're grappling with all of these things, the tension, So, right, that to me, as they're sort of trying to reconnect, but they're also like helping each other try to find this missing girl, all of these things, they're reconciling their memories from that night in high school of the bonfire party. That I really enjoyed as well, sort of peppered throughout the book where she was figuring stuff out that she hadn't, confronting things she hadn't wanted to confront from high school. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's another one of mine is, of course, time jumps, which I know we yeah. both love. But the fact that it was not just the interstitial time jumps of victims, it was also Liz's time jumps of trying to remember this night and show us why she hates coming home. I do love the the romance element, too, because it it makes it play very easily into the trope of, oh, is it always the boyfriend? Like, there is there is a time, right, where you go, is it is it Chris? Like. Yeah, there is a time where you think it could be Chris. And, but he also sort of casts, he sort of, I'm not using the right words. She, Liz is undergoing, she's addressing a lot of things that she, it seems like, did not want to address in returning home. So she's addressing that night why she wasn't the one that was taken. She's sort of addressing some interesting, ties between Keisha and Chris. She's confronting what did happen to her that night that she seemingly didn't remember, why she has a big scar on her arm. 
but then she also sort of confronts what's happened in her present, her ex-fiance and things like that. So no, I did really like all of those sort of personal growth elements as well. Yeah, a lot of real humanity. Mm-hmm, exactly. But my my list, I know we've talked about pretty we've talked about all of it truly, but it's the like real life horrors are as threatening as the supernatural. You know, Doug and his wife are just as threatening as the jackal. Folklore elements. I love that the jackal comes from a place of like the you know don't whistle in the woods and you know all of those kind of like the the just the like folklore and cultural beliefs of you know that kind of like show the birth of the jackal even though we we wanted more at the end for the jackal you know we still got like a really cool folklore birth um time jumps social commentary as we talked about so powerful and then last for me was i liked the inclusion of actual history that you know that Mm -hmm. this is a town that has this history it could be brought in and told truthfully and it it didn't necessarily like make or break the story it just added like helpful context Mm -hmm. but i i liked it i like a chance to learn right without like full-on having to non-fiction my way through something no, I agree. And I, I did really enjoy sort of the, I guess, like you said, folklore element where, right, when you name something, you give it attention, you give it power. And so that I were some of the things that I highlighted where it was like, uh, do not go seeking the devil and he will not find you. Uh, if you look, it becomes real. If you don't, it will go away. And that sort of theme seemed to be really present throughout the whole book that, right, they were they were feeding you don't want to uh, I don't want to blame them but right, right where if you if you don't give something like that attention you're not giving it the power that like there there was a system of oppression in place where people had no, no choice but to kind of be forced to give it attention and fear mm-hmm. and then the people who already had control took advantage of it yeah yeah So that was really interesting throughout as well. What a book. (laughs) It was a really good book. It was a really good read. I'm glad I, because I did, I did. When was that? I did text you. And I think that was maybe only two hours in. I think that was when you were still on the audio book. When I was on the audio. Yes. And I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to finish. Right. And I was like, we'll have a great conversation either way. But I have to say that I didn't listen to it. I read it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's when you switched over. And that that's when I switched over. And I think, I do think that is something to be said about finding the right medium for the book, for you in that, in that moment. And so, yeah. right, I think there would have been, I think I would have struggled with the audio just because of the sort of nuance. So. I, and I think that's a, so just to like come back to that point, like listeners remember you can always try a book again later. There are times when you DNF because you know you are, the book is not the book for you. Like it doesn't hit the vibe. It doesn't whatever. But if you are having that feeling of like being unsettled or it's just like, you know, like something isn't sitting right, it just may not be the time. You know, Emma and I, as Emma said, we're both very big mood readers and we both, st- we have several moods that come together, but we stick in our lanes pretty consistently. We stick to our guns pretty often, but then there are those periods where we're jumping into something else. And sometimes you just have to make that shift. Sometimes you have to get something that kicks you out. 
reading, we just, we both just read The Return and where my anxiety was versus where yours was, I had a really tough time. Like The Return physically unsettled me. And I think there are also some parallels with The Return in this book, but. um, Yeah. No, and it's weird because I didn't have any struggles with, I, my anxiety spiked, which we talked about. I had to go outside and like walk around in the sunshine after I finished that. I didn't have as many struggles with that book as I did with this. And so, right, it is interesting where like you just got to be in the right mood for the book, no matter how I was like very excited to read this. There are a lot of things in here I like. And so it, it's just really interesting because if you put the return and Jackal side by side, you're like, Emma, you're, you're reading, you know, two horror, contemporary horror books. But I had a very different experience because of some of the subject matter, because of where I'm at. And right, because I think of the the order with which I'd read them. I did recently go through a rating spree. I read five books in a week, which is a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And so then I it, this sort of hit at the tail end of my spree where I was sort of almost in a little bit of a rut. And so, right, it, it's just, it's so weird where like the mood and the timing might not be right. So I think I will revisit this later as well. I will be excited to hear from you if and when you revisit this. And listeners, mm-hmm. that's just our our chance to remind you that always give yourself that bit of grace because you may be going through it and your book is what's yeah. telling you that you need to you need to step away for a second. Yeah. And it's weird because I started reading like three other books as well to try to like find something and I haven't found the vibe yet. So it, I know it's me. <laughs> well, Emma, thank you for reading Jackal. Thank you for asking me to read Jackal. It was a very interesting experience. And I think and hope that people will enjoy this conversation and this reversal, reading something well outside of my comfort zone of like M Hen and I know I I I big swing challenged you because I could have I could have probably given you a low ball of like here's a queer YA thriller and you'd be like, okay, whatever. That's like basically my wheelhouse anyway. Yeah. Like but This was this was big swing in. So listeners, let us know what you thought about this. We had so much fun. It's nice to have it's, honestly, it's nice to have the chance to just interview you. Yeah. <laughs> like it's that's nice what it feels like in the end. A little bit on the other side of things, like, oh, I'll answer I'll answer questions. Sure. It's so it was so funny sitting here. Like, usually we're trying to play off of each other while we're interviewing together. Mm-hmm. I feel like, no, I get to ask her direct questions. Well, we heard you. We did the reversal. If you want me to challenge Emma to read something else in my wheelhouse again, we'd be happy to do it. And I guess I will give the announcement now that we also heard you on the flip side that you wanted Joe to read another big romance. So in December, I will be reading Emily Henry. So Emma can do the same thing and take me through an M. Hen book and see what the heck is going on. Yeah. So be excited for that. Be on the lookout. I know I'm looking forward to it. Emily Henry titled TBD. But what I may have people do, keep an eye on our Instagram. I may have you vote. Because I have my preference for which one I would like Joe to read, but I would love to know if you have a preference of which one he should read. No, I love that. That's what we're doing now. Emma is going to put some polls up with her like top whatever options. 
And yeah. whatever y'all vote on, we'll probably run the polls a couple times over the next two months. So yeah. I have my top two for you to read, but I'd be interested to see what folks think. Well, thank you all so much for joining us today for Emma Reads Jackal. Remember Instagram, Twitter, TikTok at ProBookNerds. And as always, send your suggestions to professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. Thank you all so much for joining us and happy reading. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on overdrive.com or in Libby. Our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer and Joe Skelly and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit professionalbooknerds.com. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply.